Welcome to the Growing Our Future podcast. In this show, the Texas FFA Foundation will take on a journey of exploration into agricultural science education, leadership development, and insights from subject matter experts and sponsors who provide the fuel to make dreams come true. Here's your host, Aaron Alejandro. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, or whenever you may be tuning in to the Growing Our Future podcast. I tell you what, we appreciate you joining us, and we just appreciate being here. It is always an honor to bring guests on that are willing to share their experiences, insights, and expertise to pour into us. You know, I I like to say that if you want to know what the future is, grow it. Well, to grow the future, that means you got to plant the right seeds and then you got to nurture them and you got to take care of them and you got to grow them into an incredible harvest that benefits both you, your family, your community, state and country. Today is no different. We have brought on a guy that I've been looking forward to getting him on this podcast. I cannot wait to hear what he's going to share. We have Taryn Moore with us today. Taryn, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me here and really do appreciate my friend. Well, we're looking forward to hearing from you, and uh, I'm going to open the floor up to you here in just a second and just let you take off and run with it. But before we do that, we we like to bring guests on, and the first question we ask all of our guests is, Taryn, what are you grateful for today? Today, I am grateful for um, my health because my health is what allows me to get up in the morning and um, start my day and allows me to lead my team well and efficiently. So uh, without, without health and that, that includes uh, spiritual health and also physical health. And so uh, my physical health, my mental health, all that above, all that included will allow me to uh, lead my team and serve my people. So that's the one thing today that I'm grateful for. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, (laughs) I love it. I love how you tied that all together. Yeah, I'm grateful for that as well. I mean, the fact that, you know, uh, I like to tell people this. You ready for this? You'll like this. (laughs) You and I both know a lot of people, right? Absolutely. And I don't know a single one of them, not one, that makes their own heartbeat. That's right. So the fact that you and I have got a breath in our lungs and a heartbeat that is doing its job, that means that we have an opportunity. Absolutely. An opportunity to do something good in our, yes, sir. In our communities and our businesses and our organizations. And so um, I don't know about you, but I like people that are grateful. Amen. Um, you know, people that are grateful to me, they're very, they're energetic. They're hopeful. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. always looking forward because when you're hopeful, you're not looking that way. You're looking that way. Looking forward. Looking forward. So I like grateful people. What is it? Somebody said one time, your vibe attracts your tribe. So I agree. I agree. I kind of like hanging out with folks like you. So yes, um, sir. Awesome. All right, let's jump into this. We uh, some of us in the world of FFA and agriculture, we know who Taryn Moore is. But there's going to be some folks that are going to watch this that uh, they're not going to know the name. They're not going to have ever seen him, not going to ever heard from him. So guess what we're about to do? We're about to introduce Taryn Moore to the Growing Our Future audience. So Taryn, take us back and kind of give us a little perspective on your life journey, 
that has put you in the role that you're in today. And then out of that, we will start unpacking some of those seeds of greatness that got you there. Absolutely, Aaron. So, um, man, honestly, my journey really started by accident. I I was 15 years old um, and I joined this organization. Not sure if you've heard of, heard of it or not, but it's called FFA, Future Farmers of America. And um, whenever I joined this organization, I quickly realized that um, my circle of friends changed. Um, my friend group started to become people who know how to, they understand ranching and farming. And I mean, the people I was hanging around, they, they knew how to work on equipment and lawnmowers. I thought it was so cool that they could build things with their own two hands. They were self, uh, self-sustainable and just knew how to fix stuff. And they were, they were big time problem solvers. Problem solving is something that I do every day in my business today. So that's kind of backtracking uh, my FFA experience. And so my ag teacher at the time, uh, Charlotte Maine, I'm from a small town called Winona, Texas, about uh, 20 miles um, 20 miles from Tyler. So if you know where Tyler is, we're not too far from Tyler. And she needed like one more person to join this thing called Farm Skills. And Farm Skills, of course, is a leadership development event. It's an LDE. And Aaron, I'm telling you, man, I had no kind of farm experience. I really didn't have any kind of ambition for farm or anything. But I did want to serve. And I, she, I, she almost seemed desperate to find someone. And I was the one guy in the room that wasn't involved in anything. So I was like, sure, I'll give, I'll give it a shot. Whatever Farm Skills ends, I'll give it a shot. And I go to my first meeting and people that were there, people that I've always seen around school, but weren't really friends with because I just wasn't involved. I wasn't in their circle. And uh, they were so friendly and just the way they carry themselves was different. And I said, whatever this is, I'm starting to quickly, quickly like whatever this FFA thing is. <laughs> and so did the farm skills. We built a heat brooder lamp and it's my first time building something useful with my own two hands. And so um, long story short, I go home and tell my parents and say, hey, I'm involved in this thing called FFA. I'm super pumped about it. I built a heat brooder lamp. My friends, they're farmers, they're ranchers, they grow their own food. Like I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I still do today. But um, I just kind of stumbled across FFA and that's the first start and the rest has been history. I started farming on my own. Um, I bought, I have multiple tractors now. Uh, I lease acreage in my town that I have my business in. Uh, we're getting into the wholesale market. So it started with a small misunderstanding of uh, what FFA was, got involved with it, and it's created me a lifestyle of freedom and um, has has allowed me to generate enough um, revenue to have a team and to have uh, a business here. So super thankful for all that the FFA has taught me. And just please continue to uh, look back and never forget that experience that I had when I was 15 years old and just kind of confused about what it was, what, what it was all about. Wow. Taryn, were you from Winona? Is that where, is that was, that was your original home? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know anything about FFA? Isn't that crazy to think about that? It is. Looking back now, that just yeah. in that in that time, where I had no kind of experience in in farming or ranching, and 
uh, just where it's brought me today to owning a business in town. And it's a really cool journey. We're going to unpack that a little bit more here in just a second. I was going to tell you, you know, we have a relationship with La Quinta. And at one time, the COO of La Quinta, he knew nothing about agriculture as well. But because of the FFA, when he retired, he went out uh, to Tennessee and he has bought his own farm and he has started <laughs> a farming operation. But his interest stemmed from his involvement at the corporate level with the Texas FFA. And now wow. that's what he's doing. So I love your story, by the way. And I think you know, too, because I like to be an advocate for agriculture, and I know you are, too. And, you know, I think that's one reason I think your voice is so clear and it's so well heard is because you're passionate in what you believe. Mm -hmm. And there is no question that those of us who know you have followed your career know that you are passionate about agriculture. And I believe you've been recognized and you've received some awards in that. Tell us a little bit about that, about, you know, where those recognitions came from. Tell me what they've meant to you. And then I want to follow up with you on, on how you got some of those. Yes, sir. Yeah. My biggest memory as far as awards go was when I was, I believe I was a senior in college at Charleston State University in Stephenville. And I was featured in the New Horizons magazine. And that started with, I attended um, New Century Farmer earlier that year, um, which is a um, FFA event. And one of the guys there, uh, I think Justin Davey is his name, actually. I've got the plaque actually sitting right in front of me, Justin Davey, New Horizons. I could turn a computer around and show you, but the, the plaque is hanging in my office here um, of me holding a bushel of, of peas and shows my... Um, the rose of my crops, but that recognition and that it wasn't even really an award. It's really just being recognized across the nation um, as a as a young farmer was something that was life changing. I think it was my first time being in a legit magazine, and uh, you know, at the time I was twenty or twenty one years old, and that was just a cool experience because it all came through a relationship. I, I met the guy at New City Farmer. There was hundreds of other farmers there, but uh, for some reason, we, we just hit it off and started talking. And he's like, hey, by the way, uh, we love your story. We'd love to feature you in our uh, in our New Horizons. I was like, New Horizons? Like, yeah, I read y'all's magazines all the time. Like, that'd be awesome. So that's the one memory that I do have that um, I still have the magazines. I see it every day. And I have a magazine in my uh, room and I read it at least once a week, just kind of looking back on where it all started when I was in my early twenties, when I was really starting to scale the operation and, and, uh, and grow. So that was a, that's a really cool memory that I have and that I cherish. Well, and I think you were involved with Farm Bureau too, a little bit. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've got a few awards from Farm Bureau on both the membership side and the insurance side. So on the membership side, I was the, uh, Texas winner for the collegiate discussion meet where I think it's a panel of five people. We have a conversation about um, issues in agriculture, such as uh, eminent domain, uh, immigration, H-2A workers, H-2A programs, all that good stuff. And uh, I won Texas. But the funny thing is I got a job with Texas Farm Bureau on the insurance side, so I couldn't compete in nationals. <laughs> I couldn't get it. I was going to go to Nat. They're going to find me to Nashville to compete on the national level, but I couldn't compete because I it's conflict of interest. And I took a job with Farm Beer. So I started thinking, I was like, I could win. I think it was 
five grand or something if I won, or I can take a career where I'll generate a lot more than $5,000 over the course of that career. So I said, I'll take the job. So I took the job. I didn't get to compete in nationals, but I did qualify for nationals for the uh, discussion meet. Wow. Well, I mean, that, that's what I mean by that. In other words, I, I obviously I know you're ag teacher and, um, you know, I will tell you that when you sit in the seat that I sit in and you're dealing with the whole whole state of Texas, it, it's always fun to watch those kids that just kind of stand out. And you don't always know that folks like me are out there watching you. And so what I mean is, is I just want you to know how rewarding it is for folks like me to have been watching you since high school. Yes, sir. And go, you know what? That's that right there. That's what FFA can do. That right there. Absolutely. That's what agriculture can do. And uh, when, I, when I see your smile and I see your passion for what you do, it it's contagious. And, uh, I, I, you know, listen, I've talked to a lot of business leaders. I've talked to a lot of executives. And one of the things I like to say is a, a fountain can can only rise as high as its head. That's as high as a fountain can get. It can only get as high as its head. And so when I hear Amen enthusiastically talk about your team. I'm sitting here thinking something tells me that their leader is pretty inspirational, that he's pretty encouraging. Uh, he's probably pretty clear on the goals and directions of what they hope to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that probably the organization as a whole is successful because of that. I agree. I agree. And I'm super, super grateful every day. Well, let's talk about this real quick. Okay, so state of Texas, and and really this is across the United States, but we're just going to hone in here on the state of Texas. Do you you happen to know how many high schools are in the state of Texas? If I were to guess, Aaron, I would say there are 10,000 high schools. Well, that was a little high, but that's okay. There's a little over 3,000 high schools in the state of Texas. Okay. Now think about what I'm about to say here. 3,000 high schools. How many of those high schools are going to have a graduating class this year? All of them. Every one of them, right? So that means all these kids are going to graduate. Mm -hmm. They're going to be looking for a job. They're going to be looking for a scholarship, or they're going to be looking for an opportunity. And so the question I like to ask the kids is, what's your competitive edge? What what separates you from every other person out there that's jockeying mm-hmm. for an opportunity? Um, I think having a competitive edge is something that can make it. It could be something as little as a strong, firm handshake. It could be something as small as a yes, sir, or no, sir, or yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Little things can sometimes be the competitive edge, but... In your business experience, in your career experience, in your college experience, how important has the competitive edges that you've gained in life been to opening doors of opportunity in your life? Tell me a little bit about that. I love this conversation, Aaron. I love this. If I could go back to high school, Taryn, I did an okay job at it. But if I knew back then what I know now, I would have invested in relationships a hundred times more. And like I said, me and you both, we know a lot of people. We both have lots of quality relationships in, in the uh, in our business and probably personal life. 
But if I were to go back, Aaron, man, I could have done a lot more. But I didn't know at the time in high school exactly how far relationships can get you. Um, but, man, that is literally the one simple thing that you can do um, as a high school student starting in, starting your freshman year. It doesn't have to start when you're starting to look for jobs. It's got to start early on because those habits, man, it's like compounding interest. The earlier you start, the earlier you start doing that, man, that snowball keeps rolling. It's it's crazy how many folks you can meet from one person, literally one person, how many folks you can meet. I, I can tell so many stories of I, I met, I can tell you my most recent thing. I met a guy named Chris Paradiso at an insurance conference. He introduces me to Mike Stromso. Mike Stromso introduces me to Nancy and David and uh, another insurance agency. So like this big tree started one person that I met mm-hmm. at a conference and then it just, it blossoms. Imagine if you start that your freshman year of high school. Wow. How many folks that you can meet that's going to be job opportunities. And also you may not even get it. You may, even, it may not even be career related. You might get a job in their area and they might invite you over for dinner one night. You make, you just make a new friends. You can make a new friend and that new friend, you see them out in town somewhere, you see them at something else, or you see them at a business function and then it just builds. It's, hey, meet my friend there. It's just crazy. Just one person can literally just, it can be a a blossoming tree. But if I thought this way in high school, man, Mm. we'd be be ahead 10 times. And we've, like I said, we're blessed. We've done well, but we'd be ahead 10 times if we would have done a better job at investing in relationships early on a lot of my teachers Aaron from high school are clients of my insurance agency even your teachers even people that you even people that you looked up you look up to that poured into you that taught you 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 can still develop a serious business relationship with those people once you get out of high school and get out of college and you start your career life so that's the one competitive edge is someone who can invest in relationships with other people with no strings attached not to do it to get a job, not to do it to to have uh, to send your resume or to have an opportunity, just to do it with no strings attached, invest in relationships with no kind of goal or anything, just to meet people. And then that tree just keeps growing and growing and growing. Like compounding interest, start early, your freshman year. By the time you're a senior, man, you ain't got to apply for scars. People just are calling you to say, hey, have you applied to this yet? <laughs> hey, have you done this yet? Because people that you met along the way it all just keeps on blossoming and growing Uh, by the way i couldn't agree with you more so successful people know lots of people and uh in the words of zig ziglar i love zig ziglar by the way and you know Zig, zig says this about this he said if they know you they will listen to you but if they trust you they will do business with you oh and what builds trust? Well, relationships. Relationships. Build trust. So when you said that, I'm sitting there smiling, thinking that's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. You you have people that want to, to do business with you because they trust you. Because Absolutely. you're taking the time to build that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, th- think about it this way. A good friend of mine said this one day, and it made a lot of sense. He said, you know, one of the best ways to build a relationship with somebody is to break bread with them to sit in their home or sit in a restaurant and break bread with them. He said, but here's the funny thing about that. 
they didn't just get dropped at the kitchen table. <laughs> they didn't just get dropped at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to open a door and let them in. Somebody had to navigate them through the house to get to their seat. Amen. Isn't that what relationship building is about? That's what it's all about, my friend. We got to open it. all about. Got to navigate, sit down, and let's break bread. I love that. It's let's a painted build, picture. Yeah. Build that relationship. You know, we have a program in the Texas FFA Foundation called the Foundation Ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my very first ambassador coordinators, I, I've never forgot this story. He told me, he said, Mr. Alejandro, when I was a freshman, I used to go to the FFA convention. He said, my goal was to go around the exhibit area and collect pins. He goes, that was my goal, was to go around and collect as many pins as I could. He said, but then when I found the ambassador program, I stopped collecting pins and I started collecting contacts. And by the time that young man got ready to apply for college, He had the CEOs of major corporations who knew him, who had gotten to know him over the course of those years that he served as an ambassador, who were writing letters of recommendation. (laughs) It's exactly what you described, you know. Yes, sir. I feel like it's our responsibility, and you're in this boat now, Taryn, but I really feel like it's our responsibility as adults. Our job is to create opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's our job. The young people, their job is to determine the outcome. Amen. Right? So yes, sir. You, somebody created an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you're the one that had to flip the switch and determine the outcome. Yes, sir. You had to get in there and say, I'll be on that skills team, which I was on the farm skills team too, by the way. <laughs> you gotta make, you know, you gotta be willing to jump in there and be a little bit vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Realize you don't know everything. Right. Learn to listen. Learn to compete. They're not going to give you the award. There's no trophy for just showing up. Right, right. And you start putting all those little elements together. And then to your point, four years later, you're graduating and you find out you have a competitive edge like nobody else. Yes, sir. Is that that spot on? That's spot on because post-graduation, all through high school, I was very involved with Texas Farm Bureau and I was offered a position on both the membership side and then the insurance side. And I, I, at 20, 21 years old, I had the opportunity to pick what I wanted to do. I wasn't, I wasn't hand tied and said, I've got this one opportunity that I've, I've got to go do this. Now I had options when I graduated from college from Charlton. And I was like, I can do this. I can live here. I can, I mean, I had options. It was very nice having those relationships because it all starts in early high school. It's like that compounding interest. The earlier you start doing that, man, the more doors are going to open for you. When that time comes, you're looking for a career, those doors are open. So I can, I can pick which door I want to walk through to navigate the rest of my professional, professional life. I love it, by the way. I, I, what you just said, I mean, you are what you and I had not even talked before this interview, but I'm telling you, you are you are scripting exactly <laughs> you young people. I cannot tell you the number of young people that have been foundation ambassadors, forward leadership scholars, young people that got so involved in their FFA career and in their college career that when they graduated, they had options. And I tell them all the time. 
be aware of how blessed you are because there's a lot of people that don't have options. Yes, sir. I agree. There's a lot of people that did not work to create those options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you jump in and you get two hands full of it and you put in a little sweat equity and you learn to listen and you learn, like you say, and be vulnerable, be willing to compete. It's amazing when you get an opportunity in front of you, you find out there might be more than one. It's a good life. Not bad. Not bad, my friend. So uh, the other one that I was going to share with you, I thought this one was pretty good. They asked Fortune 500 CEOs one time. I forgot. I think it was either Success or Inc. Magazine. This is years ago. They asked them, if you were going to promote somebody in a job, you're going to give them a promotion. Based on three criteria, how would you rank the criteria? And the three criteria were performance, mm-hmm. attitude, and networking. Yes. They asked Fortune 500 CEOs, how would you rank them? Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will say, well, probably their performance. Somebody else will say, well, no, it's their attitude. Mm-hmm. Fortune 500 CEOs rank networking at 60%, attitude at 30%, and performance at 10%. Yes, sir. Because at that time that you're up for a promotion, you've already demonstrated that you've got the performance. Right. I really like somebody with a healthy attitude, (laughs) but I really like somebody with a strong network. Yes, sir. People with a strong network can solve problems quicker. Mm -hmm. They can identify an opportunity quicker. Mm -hmm. So, uh, one of the awards that we give at the ambassador program, you'll love this, but we have an award that we give every year at the ambassador and it's called the three foot award. And we teach the ambassadors to get to know people within three feet of you. Okay. I like that. Because we tell them in your lifetime, it's exactly what you've shared, Taryn. We tell them that in your lifetime, the people around you will become your constituents, your colleagues, your, your marketplace. Mm-hmm. You'd become your doctor, your lawyer, your elected official. So take advantage mm-hmm. of getting to know people in your bubble. Absolutely. Opportunity sits all around you. And when people are missing out, I think even today, even as a professional, as a business owner in, a, in my town, you've got to network with folks who are, quote unquote, your competitors. Because mm-hmm. whenever you shift your mindset from these are my competitors to these are folks that I can learn from. Mm. These are people that, you know, we are competing. Of course, we're not, we're in, on my insurance side, we're in a hard market. And so there's lots of moving around, lots of, lots of moving and shaking in the insurance business today. But mainly you meet other folks who are in the same business as you, you get to learn and you get to grow from that. You get to share ideas. And honestly, Aaron, we've, we've written business, from people that are doing the exact same thing that we're doing. They may not have the same market that we have and vice versa. We'll exchange business. I mean, I have the same market that they have, but we're in the same industry. I think as, and once you get into your professional life, network with people who are in the same industry as you, because it's not all about just me going to meet with lenders, me going to meet with real estate agents. It's about, Hey, meet with other insurance agents too. People are in the same field because you can always grow. You can always learn from people in the same, same field as you as well. So. Wow. One of my board members who's been on the podcast before, his name is Cleo Franklin. Mm-hmm. Cleo and I do some workshops together. And uh, Cleo challenged me at something one day. And 
anybody that knows me knows I like good hard questions. <laughs> and Cleo challenged me. We were doing a workshop at the International Association of Fairs and Expos. And I was talking to, to the group about becoming a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. I said, find something you're passionate about and spend 5, 10, 15 minutes a day studying that. And if you'll do that, I think over the course of five years, they would consider you a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. And Cleo challenged me about that. And he said, Aaron, he goes, I don't like subject matter experts. <laughs> and I said, Cleo, I'm trying to help people understand that there's value in becoming a subject matter expert. Right. Well, Aaron, the problem is, is that when you become a subject matter expert, you forget, you stop asking questions because you think you have all the answers. Wow. I was like, well, thanks a lot, Cleo. (laughs) Now now I've changed my tune. And so here's my new tune. I do want you to become a subject matter expert. And then when you get there, I want you to be an intern as a subject matter expert. That's right. That's right. (laughs) To your point, you're you're a subject matter expert in your community. Mm -hmm. Okay, you are. But what have you done? By making yourself vulnerable and being willing to network with other subject matter experts. Amen. You're kind of an intern. And I'm an intern. You're kind of learning mm-hmm. from what they have to say. Yeah. One thing that one thing that I promised um, my colleagues is that I will forever be coachable. That's I can guarantee. I can guarantee I can guarantee I can guarantee anyone that I talk to I will always be coachable because there's never going to become a time where I'm going to know the most about farming I'm never going to know the most about leadership I'm never going to know the most about money or business or spiritual or health I'm never going to know enough to be to the point where you're not coachable anymore not able to listen we've done a lot of things before we've had a lot of success honestly we've moved and we've shaked we've done we've done a lot of things but i will forever be coachable and i will always need someone to continue pouring into me as i pour out to others to my team to my community to my friends to my family but i'm always looking to receive guidance i just got a plane yesterday from uh atlanta georgia I'm in a coaching group, even as a business, as a business owner, as someone who, who has a team and I get to lead, lead my team every day. Someone's got to pour in a tearing too, because I, I can, I can, I pour it out every day, but I've got to, re, I've got to be willing to receive and be a sponge every day. My mind's like a sponge, man. I've got to take in knowledge and wisdom from others daily. And you, I just believe it's such an advantage. You can get so far ahead because people that I'm hanging around, Aaron, these people have been in business for 30 plus years. Man, I'm 26 years old. I'm a youngin. They consider me a baby. They're like, you're a baby. I get that all the time. You're a baby. It's like, we're in the same room, by the way. But <laughs> but they all they all pour into me. My mind's just a sponge. And if I can get taught to someone who has 30 years of experience and me have five years, I'm adding experience to my resume just from being in the same room as those people. And so I promise everyone around me, I will always, always be coachable. Taryn, that, that word's bigger than you may realize. I can't tell you the number of people in my career that I have hired. Uh, I've only ever had one person that I actually ever had to terminate. That's been over 30 years ago. But That's pretty nice. <laughs> but, but, but what I like that you said is there have been people that have been an employee that were just not coachable. Right. 
And I, I don't know, I hope listeners really hone in on this word coachable because if you're stubborn and you're not willing to to learn or to say I'm not right or to say that I, I might not have the right answers, uh, anybody that knows me knows I, I'm exactly what you just described. And I deal with some high level people. Right. And, and I've had great coaches, by the way. I've had great mentors, not people that are out to get you. Right. Because I don't like gotchas. No, and sir. I have dealt with the gotcha kind of people. Mm-hmm. I like those guys and ladies that get you off to the side and they just kind of say, you know what? You did a good job there. Here's how you could have done it better. Right. And you're like, ah, that was good. Exactly. I can do that. I, I'm going to do that. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. All right. Let's talk about FFA a little bit here. Uh, and you've already kind of covered it. You've, you've you really covered a lot of things, but I'm going to see if we can hone it in just a little bit more. If you were in front of an ag class right now of 167,000 FFA members. Love it. And you could say, here are three tips of leadership that I think would give you a competitive edge. What would you tell them? Top three. I would say, honestly, Aaron, number one is invest in relationships. That's first and foremost. That can honestly be the only one. Because it, it really, it doesn't matter. Where You hear this all the time. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters who you know. So we can learn that stuff. We can learn that stuff down the road. But it matters who we know. So number one, I'd say invest in relationships. That's the number one tip that I can give not only high school, Aaron, but adults. I mean, People, people who are in their careers and everything too. But number one would be someone who invests in relationships. Um, number two, for me, I'm, it's going to be work ethic. I mean, that's that's a big one because why? Like I say, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Why is work ethic so important? The reason and why is because man, there's some hungry folks out here too. Once you get once you get into the real world, uh, when you're when you're in high school and you're making that transition into the real world, there are people out there that are hungrier than you are, and they're willing to eat your lunch. It's just the it's just the reality. They're willing to eat your lunch, and they don't care. They don't care how nice you are. They don't care where you come from. They don't care what your last name is. They don't care what you did in high school. No, they're they're willing to eat your lunch, and they will. And so, um, I I mean, work ethic is huge. I've got to get up every morning. I'm up at five o'clock every morning. I'm not going to lie. Last night, I got some good sleep. I've been out of town the last couple of days. So I did sleep a little bit extra today. But almost every morning, I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning to to have that competitive edge against my competitors because um, there's folks out there that wake up at 4.30. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you've, never, you've never made it, but the small tweaks in that work ethic, that's, that's foundational for me because – You've got to be above average in order to excel. And if you want to live life on your own terms and you want to create growth and you want to create freedom and you want to create a legacy, you can't do what everybody else is doing. You can't sleep till eight o'clock and be in the office at 10 o'clock every day. It's just not the, it's just not the reality. And so that's for me, I'm, I'm in a business sales role. So that's for me. That's just the way we have to think in order to have that competitive edge. But I think if you apply these things, as, as I'm saying, as a business owner, if you apply that to, to any kind of career, man, work ethic is going to be the foundation because that's what's going to get you uh, promoted. It's going to get you uh, recognized. People love praise and recognition. 
I don't care who you are. People love to hear their name get called. People love to receive awards. People love to receive a, a plaque, something with their name on it. You can be the most humble person in the world. I don't care who you are. You want to hear your name. You want to get recognized. And so in order to do that, you've got to do these things behind the scenes that no one's looking at. My my team does my team does not know that I'm up at five o'clock in the morning starting to work on uh business that early. People don't people don't know. And it doesn't it doesn't matter. Right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what's going to take for us to to excel and live life on our own terms and have a free, have freedom. But work ethic is is truly the foundation to um, not only not only, not even only business in your personal life too. It takes work to have a family and to have friends. Having friends is work. Making plans with friends on the weekends, like after you've worked all week, like everything takes work. And so, if you have a work ethic and that daily that daily attitude of what it's going to take to excel, so many things in your life just kind of fall into place now now wait a second taryn are you, are you telling me that that land just doesn't produce the crop that you actually have to work to get that crop produced i wish it did my friend <laughs> it i wish it did how much we can learn from agriculture that applies to life yes sir you can't harvest something you don't plant that's right you can't harvest something you don't care for mm-hmm that you don't weed out, mm-hmm. that you don't exactly. protect. It takes daily work. And that's, I'm reading the magazine um, that New Horizons feature men reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And this, this apply, it's great. It is great how things in agriculture do relate to so many things in our life. Reap what you sow. I mean, Aaron, even when I go to an insurance conference, people will say, planting seeds they're not picturing what i'm picturing i know it's different right. and they and they, they say planting seeds i'm picturing like you know my john deere 7100 planter planting seeds in the ground and you know but planting seeds investing in relationships that's what planting seed means Do, you know making that initial phone call that they may not be ready yet but a year down the road starts to grow and then eventually you can harvest planting those seeds isn't that true Mike Rowe, you know, Dirty Jobs guy, Mike was on the podcast. Nice. And, and Mike and I were talking. And one thing that he said, which I thought was really good, is he talked about being a broadcaster. And he said, being a broadcaster is really an ag job because the term actually came from broadcasting. Oh, yeah. You're spreading seeds. <laughs> it is. That makes sense. So it's it's kind of what you're saying is that, you know, there's a, and, you know, I, I think too, when I think about what you said about, you know, the, the intentional relationship building and your work ethic, um, you know, I think the other thing there that stands out to me along that process that you do it too, by the way, is that you're a good communicator. Yes, sir. Um, I think you're clear. I think people, you speak in a way where people can see the direction where they can see what the reward is for the outcome. Right. And that's, that drives people to want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you do that. Thank you. Aaron. So those are my, those are my top two, my last one. Um, I've already said it, but being coachable, mm-hmm. that's, that'd be my last one. So I, if our list is in order, relationships, work ethic, and being coachable. Um, we could write I mean, a book just on those three. You literally could. Mm-hmm. A really good book at that. Really good. A really yeah. good book. Well, listen, if we had another hour, we could keep talking, but we got to wrap 
Uh, so I really appreciate you taking some of your time and joining us for the Growing Our Future podcast. Um, everybody gets one last fun question. So you get one last fun question. Awesome. So Taryn Moore, tell me, what's the best concert you've ever been to? The best concert I've ever been to. <laughs> I will say this, Aaron, I've been to a lot of concerts. If you don't notice, I'm actually a musician. Um, I play piano and drums. I play at our local church. Um, I've been playing music since I was seven years old. I actually had a full ride scholarship uh, for, for marching in the band. So I'm a huge music guy. And so I'm not going to say it was a concert, but I was actually in Nashville, Tennessee in the year of 2021, I believe. Actually on a corporate trip with uh, when I when I was at Farm Bureau before opening my own agency, I was on a corporate trip and man, I listened to this band and they were just spot on, man. Everything was just it's clear. You can just hear all the riffs and just the you can just feel the beat in your chest. It's just the you know, just I just picture the 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 setting that I was at. Aaron, they were such great musicians. I had to ask, I looked up to the lead singer after between songs and i said man y'all are some of the best musicians I've, I've ever heard and i said i'm a musician myself and i said y'all are the best musicians i've ever heard i said could i play drums on one song with you guys like i'm seriously like just loving it and they they were going by tip playing for tips i had the guy a hundred dollar bill i said man just trust me i'm a musician i really want to play a song with you guys and you know what they said here's the thing if you don't a S K you don't G E T. I asked, he said, yes, I gave him a hundred dollar bill for the tip. I got on stage in Nashville, Tennessee, most memorable experience of my life. Get on, get on the, get on the drums and they play, um, Tennessee whiskey. That's the song they're playing. And man, I'm just on drum. I was just in the, to this day, one of the best moments of my life playing drums in Nashville, Tennessee, because I asked, I said, man, for when I came from a place of gratitude, I said, man, I'm so grateful. Y'all are, are amazing musicians. Can I play a song with you guys? I'm a musician myself, and I just love to just sit in for a song. And I don't ask for free. I'm willing to contribute, and I give a nice tip. And they said, yeah, man, come on. And guess what, Aaron? After that song, man, the whole the whole crowd goes crazy. They think that this random guy gets on stage and just rocks the house. And they say, can you play one more with us? I said, I'd be honored. Aaron, we did three songs together. Nashville, Tennessee. That's the best concert, hands down, I've ever been to because I got to be involved and wow. I play with an awesome group of musicians. We'll never forget that. What an incredible story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intrigue you a little bit here. So before we started recording, I told you that that I wanted you to to follow, get to know or meet or get connected with Dan Olabi. Yes, sir. Okay. So I want you to remember what you just shared with me. And when you go back and watch Dan Olabi's podcast and you hear his answer to the same question, you'll realize how special what you just said really was. Wow. I've got to listen right now then. So it was. <laughs> I just, it's really good. Well, listen, Taryn, uh, number one, uh, from the world of ag science education and the FFA, I want you to know we're proud of you. 
Thank you. Um, you're, you're a great example of what our program can do. Uh, you're a great example of somebody that gets in that jacket. You know, I tell people all the time that jacket will just give you a hug that the jacket doesn't ask, you know, what your doesn't ask you, you know, where you come from. It doesn't ask you about your religious belief, sexual orientation, color of your skin. Jacket just says, come here, let me give you a hug, and here's an opportunity. That's right. And you took advantage of it. Yes, and sir. Because of it, you've done some great things, and, and something tells me that there's even greater ones ahead. But we appreciate you joining us today. Um, to all the listeners, you know, Growing Our Future podcast is just that. You know, we, we say all the time, if agriculture's taught me anything, it's taught me that if you want to know what the future is, grow it. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you got to be intentional about the seeds that you plant. You got to be intentional about the intended harvest. And when you have guests like Taryn and others on, they're they're giving us those seeds, great seeds that, that will make us better personally and professionally. So thank you for joining us today. Until we meet again, everybody go out and do something extraordinary for somebody else and uh, just continue to make this make this community, state, country a great place to live, work, and raise our children. We'll catch you down the road. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Growing Our Future podcast. This show is sponsored by the Texas FFA Foundation, whose mission is to strengthen agricultural science education so students can develop their potential for personal growth, career success, and leadership in a global marketplace. Learn more at mytexasffa.org.